Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, September 2nd, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to this Labor Day episode of Locked on Spartans. I hope you do not have to work today. I do just a little bit, you know, got to record a podcast, write a thing, maybe two things. Um, but I decided to sleep in this morning and leisurely get my way towards recording this podcast instead of getting it out early. I figured, you know, it's Labor Day. Not too many of you are going to have that early morning commute. Maybe you can get away with uh, not getting it out at 5 in the morning. So I hope you're enjoying the day off. I hope you've got the day off. Um, I hope I, Honestly, I kind of hope you're listening to this like late Monday night or Tuesday morning before you listen to the next one. So uh, enjoy your time with family and friends or barbecue, whatever you're doing today. Uh, enjoy the, the sort of unofficial last day of summer break, summer vacation, the summer season, even though we've got a few more weeks left. Um, on today's show, I'll give you three guesses as to what we're going to talk about. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you any guesses at all. This is a podcast. It doesn't work that way. You can't guess and I can't respond. But we're going to talk about Michigan State against Tulsa. Uh, And we're going to do that for a few days here because there is a lot going on. There is a lot to digest from this game. I think what we'll do today is start with some of the fan reaction Um and media reaction too. I don't want to single out fans, uh, but some of the reaction to the first game, uh, what Michigan State put on the field offensively after weeks and weeks and weeks of buildup. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and we'll see how we are on time. It this may wait until tomorrow, but we we will start getting into some of. Uh, specifics with the offense, with the play calling, with the nitty gritty, uh, you know, sort of going a little bit deeper than just talking about it uh, at a surface level. So we will do that here uh, over the course of today's show. A reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day. And since our listenership appears to be growing, I should be reminding you guys, we do this every single day, Monday through Friday, five episodes a week, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And they're usually up by 5 a.m., but since it's a holiday, like I said earlier, I I took it a little easy on myself. So every single day, 5 a.m., new Michigan State podcast. So subscribe to the podcast, head on over to iTunes too if you wouldn't mind, leave a five-star rating, drop a review as well if you so choose. All right, let's talk about this game. Okay, so Michigan State welcomes in the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, which real quick, at an S, guys. Just, I I get it. Golden Hurricane is, it in theory, can make sense. Like the Colorado Avalanche. Tampa Bay Lightning makes more sense. Um, Avalanche makes more sense, too. I don't know why hockey team's there. But Tulsa Golden Hurricane, like, throw an S in the end. You're the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. You're all hurricanes. Every time I typed it uh, or said it or was doing anything with it, I felt like I was screwing it up because it was just different. Anyway, uh, Michigan State welcomes in the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, fresh off a 3-9 and nine season. They beat them. Rather easily, 28-7. to seven. Uh, Fair to say, 
after the opening drive for the Michigan State offense, the defense and special teams carried the day. Uh, you guys all saw the game. We don't need to go into a full recap mode, but it left a lot of you, a lot of you, um, wanting a lot more from the offense, from the Michigan State offense. That, you know, for the last eight months, six months, seven months, somewhere in there, um, we had been hearing about, talking about, thinking about how the Michigan State offense might be different, um, how they're going to revamp some stuff, how they're going to fix everything, how it's going to be a better offense this year. And then uh, they debut with a performance, getting one long drive touchdown, uh, four field goal drives, three of which were set up in great field position thanks to Blocked kick, interception, fumble recovery, you know, defense setting Michigan State's offense up in great spots and not turning those into touchdowns with short fields, um, I know was frustrating. And so, you know, really an offense that didn't produce a ton, didn't go for a lot of yards against a defense that was um, shredded somewhat regularly, especially on the ground last season. And you add it all up. And you stack it next to how Michigan State finished the 2018 season. And you leave yourself with literally a recipe for fan anxiety. And that's totally understandable. And I knew this was going to happen when I put this out. But I asked on Twitter uh, the next day. I wanted to give people a day. I said, a day later, what is your one prevailing thought about this win? And the responses were as expected. Jake Hawkins... Uh, on Twitter says the most obvious the defense is so damn good and legit that it cannot go to waste again. It's championship level and it deserves one. Uh, Joe Wilson throws a Brockmeyer gif out there. I'm gonna need a biblical. I'm gonna need biblical amounts of booze. Uh, great show. Check out Brockmeyer on IFC. But yeah, gonna need booze to get through the season. Um, MSU needs to change their scoring rules for the scrimmage. That offense wouldn't stand a chance against that defense. Uh, to which I noted, yeah, they already do that. <laughs> uh, Sheehan, our buddy Matt Sheehan, I still can't believe that people think everything is fine on the offense despite returning eight starters and scoring just one touchdown or getting a push in the run game against Tulsa. I think that's probably the prevailing thought for uh, everyone. He adds, it's like way more people than I th- would have thought. I'm jealous of all of you. I wish I could be fine about seeing that for the 10th straight game last night. Uh, so yeah, Sheehan had an interesting night. Uh, I was enjoying watching him. Here's one from Sparty Season on Twitter. The offensive line is terrible again, can't run block, and still taking horrible penalties. Frankie O, so flow Spartan, too early to really determine what the offense will be. Yesterday wasn't a good start. That is like the most optimistic one we've gotten so far. Spartan JJ, very sloppy season opener, only counts as one win no matter how you look at it. Uh, Bound to win, I'm just waiting for the entire defense to enter the transfer portal. You're getting the point, right? The offensive line's health moving forward, that's all I ever thought about. Lewerke could not hit an open receiver. Uh, here's a gif of Michael Scott from The Office. All I can do right now is put on a brave face. There's no change in philosophy. People will note execution is not good. But the spacing of routes, the timing of play calling, and the personnel groups they run is frankly maddening. Uh, 1-0 and from Matt Bell. Matt Bell, 1-0. and Excited. Uh, Lowerke looked way better in the second half. The receivers dropped a ton of great throws from Lucas uh, Whitney. He is correct. And then Drunk Sparty says the O-line is trash. Um... 
I wanted to read those because I think every single person listening right now probably heard one that resonated with them, that, that matches what they're feeling. And I think all of them, to some extent, um, some of them are factually incorrect in, in ways, and I'll talk about that. Um, but all of them are sort of correct in their own way. And I know it feels like some of them are pulling against each other, contrasting a bit. Um, but they're all kind of, they make sense. They're correct in their own ways. Um, the anxiety over seeing that type of performance against that type of team compared to what you expected is understandable. What I'm going to try to do over the next couple of segments here uh, and the next show really um, is get more in-depth with the offense, with what they did in their, what do we got, 11 drives where they were trying to score a touchdown. They, they had two drives late in the game where one was uh, run the ball and punt. Basically, let's just, you know, the game's over, let's get out of here. And then the other was backup. So not counting those two. Uh, 11 drives where they were trying to score, and there are different things that happened in those drives that are worth some optimism, that are promising, that are frustrating, certainly, um, that are wildly different from what Michigan State did a year ago, and things that work. And I'm going to talk about them, I'm going to explain why I'm still okay on the offense and why what happened Friday night is not a panic-worthy scenario. So we're going to do that here after this quick break. Guys, today's show is brought to you in part by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is taking a new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting like the other sites, no House Advantage offers daily prop contests, daily player prop contests, which is pretty sweet. The platform levels the playing field so you have a higher likelihood of winning here than when playing traditional fantasy sports contests. Each contest contains anywhere from 5 to 10 player props. For example, will Tua Tagovailoa, oh, I almost got it, Tua Tagovailoa throw more than two TDs, or will Michigan State's offense score two touchdowns? You simply select over-under for each prop, rank each pick based on your confidence of it being correct. So you do over-unders, then you rank them for confidence points. You're in points based on correct picks, and you compete against other players for cash prizes. Tell them, you guys. It's an extremely fun daily fantasy contest play that you can actually win. No House Advantage offers contests across college football, NFL, MLB, NBA, college hoops, PGA, and NASCAR. So, it runs the gamut. You can play pretty much anything. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON to receive two tokens when you purchase two tokens, which is uh, a $10 value. So, promo code LOCKEDON, you get two free tokens when you purchase two. You spend 10, you get an extra 10. Certain state limitations may affect your ability to participate in paid contests. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. So I tweeted uh, after the game. I was at the game covering it. And, you know, it's weird. When you're in the press box, you watch it live. And then you can look up really quick and see a replay on TV if you're trying to, like, watch it that route. It's It's different. When you're writing or when you're doing different things, but if you're just kind of strictly 
locked in on the game, you can sort of get this double view of it pretty quickly. And that's really beneficial because I think you see more um, that way. I mean, you get that experience on TV, but I think it's just um, you get the play on the field, then you get the play on TV to watch how it worked, and then you get a replay is what I should have said. So you get to see it three times. And so I was doing that, and I'm watching, and I'm like, okay, this isn't working, but this isn't working, but this isn't working, but like there are, there were things there that were, I don't know, interesting is a good way to put it, that were modernized, that were more developed than in previous seasons, things worth exploring that I think can add up to something good. Now I'll just say this flatly before we continue, Michigan State's offense was bad. They were bad against Tulsa. Michigan State's offense was bad against Tulsa. Okay, I just want to get that out there because I'm going to do some defending of them. Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of people don't want them to be defended right now. They're just uh, looking at the results and are unsatisfied with the results. And I'm with you. They were bad. The results weren't good enough. But what I'm doing and what I'm trying to, I guess, encourage people to do, fans to do, because it's going to make life easier on you, <laughs> it really is, um, is when you're in week one, week two, week three of uh, a, a pretty dramatic offensive shift, and I'll talk about why it's a dramatic offensive shift, a pretty dramatic offensive shift, when you're you're in week one of that, um, look at the process over the results. Certainly you need results. You want results. And thanks to Michigan State's defense and special teams, you don't need the best offensive results to get the win, as we just saw, um, rather easily to get an, a rather easy win. Um, and so that affords this team to focus on the process and know that the results should if the process is right, come down the road. So that's what we're going to kind of do is, is look at process over results while understanding against Tulsa, the results were absolutely not good enough. Okay, so watching the game um, up in the box, getting the replays on TV, getting, getting these extra views, feeling uh, okay about some things, not great about others. Um do media, and, and after I do the media stuff, I'm just walking back to my car and I fire off a tweet because um, I looked at Twitter for about two seconds, saw everyone freaking out. Understandably, uh, I knew they would, knew everyone would freak out, so I'm not I'm not critical of people who were, who were freaking out. Um, but I just fired off a tweet, hot take, I think Michigan State's offense will be fine, which is the most tepid compliment you could probably give an offense. Hot take, I think MSU will be fine on offense. I had a lot of people <laughs> very interested as to why I thought that, and a lot of people that thought I was just kind of, I don't know, being crazy. There were, there were some people that are like, yeah, I'm with you. I hope so. Um, but yeah, there there were definitely some people that were just like making fun of the take. And really, that's that's okay. Um which I didn't know a tepid opinion like that could be considered a hot take, but I guess it is when you score a touchdown against Tulsa. So broadly here, we'll start broad and we'll start to 
narrow things in here um, as to why I think there is reason for optimism. And I'm going to write more about this today, spartanswire.usatoday.com, where I will get into really some specific stuff. I will gif plays, um, put up pictures of different, you know, screenshots of what is going on and why this play went wrong and what worked about it. And I did some of this uh, at will underscore underscore hunter, one L two underscores on Twitter last night when I was rewatching the game and charting, I just threw up some pictures because I was doing it quick of different plays and why these plays are actually working and some stats that back that up. And then just uh, a different, like this play didn't work because this happened. Look at like this, like they'll learn from this. This is a fixable mistake, etc. So if you want to do that, there's like 12, 15 tweets from the game, uh, sort of threaded together loosely on my Twitter feed. So go do that. If you want to check that out. And then at spartanswire.usatoday.com. Later today, depending on when you listen to this, I think like four or five o'clock, honestly, I'll get it up. Uh, I will have something more comprehensive. But just to start, I want to talk about broadly uh, the idea that Michigan State hasn't changed anything, Uh, that they came out and ran a similar offense to what they did, uh, which led to similar results. And it's just, um, I, I sort of get why you might think that football is a weird game and it's really tough to see subtle nuances, subtle differences. And right now that's what it does look like subtle differences. Um, but it's a major foundational change. It's, um, it's, 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 it's it's tough to explain it without just explaining it. So I'm just going to explain it. So just to start personnel wise, Michigan state ran out of 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. That's if you don't know that it's running backs, tight ends um, is sort of the number like you hear uh, 10, 1, 11, 12, 21, 22, 13, 31, stuff like that just means how many running backs, how many tight ends. So 12, one running back, two tight ends, 22, two running backs, two tight ends, 11, one running back, one tight end. Okay. Makes sense. Simple. I didn't, I just don't want to confuse people. Michigan state ran out of 11 personnel, which is two, uh, or excuse me, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, 40 times yesterday. They ran 40 plays out of 11 personnel. They ran three plays out of empty. They ran 26 plays out of 12, which is one running back, two tight ends. And they ran one play uh, out of 13, which is one running back, three tight ends, which was a power play that didn't go for anything. The Connor Hayward stuff, which we'll talk about. I got things to say. So that is a much, much more spread out team than Michigan State has been in the past. And of the 26 plays they ran from 12 personnel, I think uh, six to eight of them, the tight end was flexed out either in true trips formation, like Dotson is the X receiver, or kind of um, he's off the line and he's five yards off the tackle, six, seven yards off the tackle in the slot. So he's flexed out, but it's not quite true trips where you got three out wide. Um, They did some trips bunch out of 12 as well, uh, which is another, you know, spread formation staple. The point is, Michigan State of the, let's see, 70 or 66, uh, of the 70 or so plays, oh, they ran one out of 10 as well. They, they threw a pass play out of 10 personnel. Forgot to track that. Um, 
which was run one running back, four wide receivers. Um, the point is, Michigan State, of the 70 or so plays that I tracked, um, about 50 of them was in, were in a, a very spread-out formation. And for the other 20, one was a true heavy superpower formation. The other you know, 10 were kind of a standard heavy-ish, tight-ish power formation, but not you know, stacked up like a little bit of spacing, but not quite enough. And then the other 10 were just kind of in the middle ground there. So of the 70 plays, 50 true spread, 10 kind of middle ground, 10 uh, heavy-ish. That's kind of the breakdown there. Uh, That is a huge departure, huge departure from Michigan State of the past. They were out of the pistol or, or shotgun all but, whoa, I got one, two, I think three times they went under center. And the one of the times they went under center, yeah, they went under center three times, or four times, excuse me, um, five, I can't count. They went under center five times <laughs> in 11 drives. Um, that is absolutely uh, a huge, I was, I was counting, I got plays charted and then I got passes charted too, and I was counting the passes doubled up here, doesn't matter, what matters is they went under center like five times. That is a massive departure. They're in the pistol or shotgun almost the entire game, which is very different from Michigan State in the past. They didn't use a fullback one time. Not once did they use a fullback. That is a huge departure. So from personnel, just flatly, totally different, wildly different team from the Michigan State teams in the past. You could go back, uh, I don't know about last year, but go back a handful of years, even to the Connor Cook years, um, and you'll find those numbers completely flipped, completely reversed. Uh, it's just, it's wildly different, uh, and it's more modern. It's what we we're asking for. The tempo, there was tempo. Mark D'Antonio said after the game, we are going to be an up-tempo team, and I believe it. Uh, they ran tempo a handful of times, probably out of these 11 drives, Four or five times they ran with tempo. It's tough to run tempo when you go three and out, and they went three and out a few times, but there are two longer drives they ran tempo. Uh, they're going to run tempo more. I think it's something that Lewerke likes. That that plays in their hands. They're going to be a faster offense. Um, I watched on TV when I was rewatching, and the commentators were noting how much faster Michigan State was going. Um, they were getting plays off with 15 seconds left on the play clock, 18 seconds left on the play clock. Huge, huge departure. Again, huge departure from Michigan State in the past where you're taking the play clock down to two every single time and just slowly plodding along. And for Mark D'Antonio to come out after the game and say, we are going to be an up-tempo offense, that's a big change. Um, Damn it, I'm long on time. I knew this was going to happen. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break because I have to. And then we'll come back and we'll sort of finish this up. I'm going to run long on this episode because I think there's enough interesting stuff to talk about. But I do have to take a quick break uh, right now or my bosses are going to yell at me. So while I do that, um, I'm going to tell you about Vivid Seats. Yeah, Vivid Seats. Um, If you made it to the game, great. I hope you used a Vivid Seats ticket. If you didn't and you want to get to a game, we got Western Michigan coming to Spartan Stadium. We got... Arizona State coming to Spartan Stadium in the next couple of weeks. Perfect chance to get the family out, get to a game. It's a great environment. Uh, Kudos to the student section uh, and all the fans, but the student section filled up, stayed longer than I thought they would. 
Uh, the fans did a really good job. It was a great crowd for an opening night game against an opponent uh, that maybe isn't as prestigious as someone else. Um, but if you want to get to a game, check out Vivid Seats. You got to go to Vivid Seats. It is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice all in the easy-to-use Vivid Seats app to make things even better. Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows you, the fan, to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards, and you get, it's, it's, it's simple, this is how it works. You spend money, you get a portion of what you spent back in credit for the loyalty program, and then you use that to purchase future tickets to future events. It's great. Go to the App Store, Google Play, and download the Vivid Seats app. You will automatically be enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program and of course of course with vivid seats every purchase is backed by a 100 buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hotter the- hottest theaters theater tickets and more i was cruising cruising through this read and then hottest theater tickets from the biggest concerts and events to the hottest theater tickets and more vivid seats has it all you guys all know that download the app join the vivid seats rewards loyalty program today Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. And of course, today's episode is also brought to you in part by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is taking an exciting spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens, a $10 value that is code LOCKEDON to receive two tokens when you purchase two. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartan segment three. Going to continue just talking about some changes, some structural changes to the Michigan State offense that you maybe have missed or might not be aware of how sort of significant they are or can be. And so one thing that is super, super important to note here uh, when talking about this Tulsa game is that this was a base offense, if that's like the simplest way to put it. Um, Just vanilla is what we like to say, right? It was a vanilla offense, and I'll get into what I mean about that in a second, but um, you know, Michigan State notoriously vanilla on opening night. They were again, and um, when you take into account breaking in a lot of new plays, new formations, new uh, strategies, whatever you want to call it, they were, I don't know, in some ways extra vanilla, and I think they kind of got crushed um, by some people in the media, some fans for for being vanilla when it's completely within their MO. Uh, I wish they weren't. Honestly, I don't care. Put it on film. Like they're Even though Michigan State didn't put stuff on film, teams are going to prepare for it because it's just the natural progression of what those plays are. Um and I guess I, you know, I get the logic behind saving it for uh, maybe not Tulsa, maybe not Western, saving it for Arizona State, saving it for the Big Ten. Um, but uh, if, if I know something, here, here's how I look at it. If I know something, if I figure something out, if I see something and notice a trend, then every other college football team in the country 
uh, who is scouting Michigan State knows it because there's not a chance in hell with all the work that different departments put in that they're going to find something that I don't find, that they're going to see something that I don't see. So you might as well just put it out there. So Michigan State kind of got crushed um, for keeping it simple uh, and not doing anything different. And they did a lot different in actuality, um, but they kind of kept it at a base level so it didn't look kind of all that different. The the simplest way to put this is uh, Mark D'Antonio did a good job in his press conference saying this, uh, and I'm just going to echo his thoughts. Inside zone, outside zone, power, counter. Those are pretty much the four run plays. Everybody runs. Uh, you do them a billion and a half different ways. Uh, zone blocking, just a real quick thing uh, to, to tell you the difference. Zone blocking, the line kind of moves as a unit in a direction, and they sort of block an area, a zone, either inside or outside. And the running back gets the ball and has to find a lane within that Um you know, try to create cutback lanes, try to get to the edge, try to create leverage using athleticism and angles. Power, you pick a spot, we're running there. We're running in the three hole. We're running in the two hole. We're running wherever, and you get a double team generally at the point of attack, sometimes two double teams, and linemen move on to the second level and push through there, and you uh, you attack a specific spot, and the running back gets the ball, and his job is to get to that specific spot. And so that's kind of the, the just the quick, easiest way to, to explain the difference between zone and blocking. So you got inside zone, outside zone, power, which is any of those um, any any of those schemes, trap plays, straight dives, things like that. Uh, and then you've got counter, which is the counter to every single one of those plays. You make it look like you're going right, but actuality you're going left. And so within all these different plays these different concepts there are different ways to run them and different ways to counter them different ways to build on the backside of all of them and Michigan State just sort of ran a handful of plays they ran inside zone they ran outside zone they ran counters to their zones and they ran power um power stuff was mostly ineffective zone was better um if you include Eli Collins' called back touchdown run, they ran for like 6.3 yards a carry, uh, something like that, out of 11 personnel when they ran zone schemes, which I know is a mouthful. And again, I'll have more of this SpartansWire.usatoday.com later today. But they ran well when they spread it out and ran zone schemes, which is, I think, the direction they need to go uh, moving forward. But basically, Michigan State ran these base things and didn't do a ton of building upon them. So with every single play you have... Say it's just inside zone. You've got inside zone. You've got the counter off of it. You've got different ways to window dress it with different motions and you know jet sweep, jet motion, things like that, where it's still structurally the same place. So you've got all these different window dressings you can put on it. Then off of every single one of those, including just the normal zones and the counters, you run reads off them. You run inside zone read, outside zone read, um, uh, inside counter zone read, outside counter zone read, like all these different things, you run zone reads off them. And that includes all the different window dressings, all the different formations you run them out of, and all the different sort of like I said, jet motion instead of a running back. You, you run it out of empty and you bring a guy in jet motion and you run an inside counter zone read with a jet motion back, right? You do that out of different formations as well. So there are just like untold amounts of 
things that are in that playbook just based off those four plays and the idea that you can run it different formations different uh personnel different uh like uh sorry i lost the word there but you get the point there are a million different ways to run these plays and then built on the backside of all of these. And we saw a teeny bit of this. We were, maybe Michigan State ran one RPO and threw it to the wrong guy. Um, but off the back of every single one of these are now the new thing is RPOs. You run zone read with a uh, pass option on the backside. And it's generally, it depends. If you zone block, you're, you're running, your offensive line is going to stay at the line of scrimmage or close enough. You get three lines, right? And then it's an eligible lineman downfield. So when you zone block and you run an RPO, you can throw all the different routes. You can throw it deep. You can throw it at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. You can do whatever you want. If you run power, like a power option with an RPO built in, you have to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage because your linemen are going to be scraping to the second level. And if they get three to five yards downfield, hitting the linebackers and, and moving downfield, which is what they're taught to do in power schemes, you're going to get an eligible man downfield, which is what happened uh, in that weird ineligible man downfield penalty that Michigan State got. And that play, Lewerke had to sort of like pump and, and get around the end and, and threw it deep. Uh, but there was a run receiver set up like behind the line of scrimmage for a pass. And if linemen are 10, 15, 20 yards downfield, it doesn't matter. If you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, it's not an eligible man downfield. So you'll always sort of see an outlet behind the line of scrimmage in a play like that. Anyway, all this is to say that there are just a ton, a ton of different plays that Michigan State could have run out of this, and they basically ran like standard inside zone, like an outside zone player two, a couple counters, uh, three zone reads, four zone reads maybe, and maybe an RPO, maybe two uh, that they just gave, but like took one RPO, potentially took one RPO to the full extent of the play, getting to the pass option. They showed nothing. And that's what I mean by vanilla. That's, that's what I mean by a base offense. They ran the very first version of these plays. All of these plays evolve in a million different ways based on formation, based on personnel, based on just where you run them, how you run them, and the different things you can build on the backside. Like you can have the same inside zone RPO play, but a a crap ton of different routes based on it. It could be seven different plays based on whatever defense you're playing and whatever route combination you want to use. And if you want to use it out of 11 personnel or 10 or 12, uh, the routes are all going to change then. You could put different guys at different spots and it's all going to change then. The point is we saw a teeny smidgen of Michigan State's offense. It is an offense that is running the spread more, running with tempo, doing more zone concepts, more effective at zone concepts, and running out of spread formations. They read the or they ran the ball 15 times out of 12. They ran the ball eight times out of 11. I'd love to see them flip that. If they flip that number, I think they can be in business. It's a different offense. It's pretty drastically different from what Michigan State ran even three, four, or five years ago. It's it's going to take a little bit of time. They kept it vanilla. They kept it basic. D'Antonio has always done kind of what they need to do to win, right? Michigan State plays to the level of its opponents. It is way too early to be jumping off any sort of metaphorical bridge in regards to this team. It is way too early to panic about the offense. 
Like, I don't need to go back that far. I know certain somebody mocked the idea of this being a 2013 type thing. Um, I don't need to go back that far to show you just how bad Michigan State was on offense in 2013 for the first four games of the season. Throw out the, the Youngstown State game. So three of the first four games, they were truly terrible on offense. Worse than they were last night. Worse than they were last night. And yeah, they had Connor Cook coming in. Um, but this, like Connor Cook was, was very good eventually, but took a little bit of time to get going. Uh, these guys are going to take some time to, like this is a first game with a new scheme. It's a preseason game. They don't get a preseason, a preseason game. Dress rehearsal, soft opening, it's a rollout. Give it time, give them time, and just know that when it comes down to it, you've got the defense and you've got the special teams that are perfectly set up to kind of hold down the fort until this offense gets it going, which if their offensive line stays healthy, they will, I think, in the in the next month or so. I don't know if they're going to be a great offense. I, I, I think that's too high of a ceiling for them. But they can be fine. And all this team needs is fine to be able to get back to Indianapolis. All right. Long episode today, but wanted to make sure I got all the points across that I wanted to today. Tomorrow, we're going to do this similarly, but more nitty gritty. I'm going to give you numbers, uh, more stats, specific plays, specific instances, specific breakdowns uh, of how this offense works. Like what it did well, what it didn't do well, and how it can be better moving forward. And again, I'm writing a piece today, SpartansWire.usatoday.com. That's going to do a lot of this different stuff. So if you're interested in it, uh, definitely check it out there. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. As always, you can email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to today's Locked on Spartans. We will be back tomorrow with another episode. We will see you then.